you ask any exam-facing student whether or not they want to fail, of course they're going to tell you that they don't. And invariably, they'll know that in order to not fail, and especially if they actually want to do well, then they're going to have to revise a bit. But strangely, this sort of acceptance doesn't always translate into action. So what is it that causes this does not compute error that's preventing our teens from really getting on with some sensible revision? Hello, and welcome to the Study Sessions podcast. I'm Nathan, the founder of The Study Buggy, and your host. In this, our third season of the podcast, we're chatting with parents, students, and teachers to hear how things are going. Specifically, we're interested in the highs and lows, the trials and the tribulations in the run-up to exams in 2022. We'll be covering everything from trouble getting going to burning the candle at both ends, from students who are overzealous and anxious to those who are underperforming yet nonchalant. Through these shared real-world experiences, I hope that you'll take some comfort that you're not alone. Perhaps more importantly, I hope that you'll take away some insights and advice that can help you to support your own team so that they'll not just survive the exams, but perhaps even thrive in the preparation. So, if you're a parent, a carer or a teacher, be sure to subscribe. This week, I'm going solo and I'm hoping to share some approaches and tips that we find work when trying to support teens from a timing point of view, because the countdown is now well and truly underway for exams, we're hearing from a number of concerned and frustrated parents, and also a number of concerned and frustrated teens, that they're just not really sure where to even make a start. So I thought it might be quite useful to do a step-by-step run-through of the processes that we use. And actually, this is a framework that we've used with groups in schools, as well as some individual teams, sort of an an intervention, if you like, and they can really help to kickstart things. Of course, when it comes to your own team, exactly how you're going to apply it is going to depend on the level of engagement and feedback that you're getting from your son or daughter. You're going to know if your team is taking this on board or if they've just completely glazed over. It's also really worth noting that when I deliver this, I'm in a truly enviable position. I'm not their teacher, so they don't have to worry about whether or not they've got to pretend that they're working hard. And I'm not their parent, so immediately they seem like I'm less likely to judge them. When you're having this chat, I'd be really clear that this isn't a nagging thing, that you're not here to impose your will. This is a really good way of helping them to see their own way through. And a good way of doing this is to give them maybe some advanced warning Maybe after dinner, I wonder if you'd do me a favour and just talk to me about your revision. You'll know the kind of levers that will trigger a warmer response from your team, and you'll certainly know those that are going to throw up that teen wall straight away. The very first thing to do, once you've managed to get them sat down and engaged, is to start to challenge your own assumptions and assess the situation from their perspective. I mean, how do they feel that things are going? You could ask them how the mocks were. How did they feel about the results? Ideally, you want to get them to a position where they're thinking quite dispassionately about these kinds of questions. The less emotion that's being bandied around, the smoother this will go. One of the key things is if they can recognise that their effort is linked to their results, woe is me is not a productive starting point. It can also help if you ground this situation. Right now, at time of recording, there's about eight weeks until the start of the exam period. 
and that's about 100 days until the end of the exam period. Now, I don't say that to induce stress and panic, but it can be quite a wake-up call for some, especially those who are prone to keep pushing revision off because they think there's always going to be time later. It's around about this point in the conversation that I'd call on the fabulous Sheru Izadi's No More Excuses map. It's the kind of thing that I'll show students how it works in outline, and it's the kind of thing that will help them to change their behaviour. And typically at this juncture, if we're having this conversation, then there is a behaviour that needs to be changed. And it's certainly worth calling out some of the common ones when you're talking to your own team. I'll do it later. I'm really tired now. Or my favourite, I work better in the middle of the night. It might be a bit too twee to actually sit down and, and draw this map out with your team. And certainly if it starts to feel like a group activity, but what you'll find is really helpful, and your team will find is really helpful, is that by naming these demons, you can go some way to overcoming them. Something else from the episode with Sheru that was a couple of weeks ago is that if your teen is prone to self-doubt, and that's not uncommon, and they find themselves being really hard on themselves about the achievements that they're making, then Sheru's suggestion of keeping a private list of achievements that they're proud of can really help to reinforce sort of the self-belief in their own abilities. And it's also worth pointing out, if confronted with, I'm just no good, um, I'm going to fail everything, that when they're faced with this level of self-criticism, they should really imagine that they're talking to one of their friends. That can go an awful long way to driving out sort of this harshness in their, in their critique. So having prepared the groundwork, really good idea now to think about the foundations of planning, because without a plan, things just simply don't happen. Now, sometimes those plans can emerge quickly. They can just be in your head. Uh, shall we go out tonight? While others can take a bit more time, they can be very deliberate. For example, if you're moving house, that tends not to be done on a whim. It depends on a number of factors which approach you take, but typically the more moving parts, the more serious the risk of things going wrong, then the more considered and more detailed your plans should be. If you're listening to this and you've made it this far into the podcast, then it's quite clear that the casual, spontaneous approach to planning your revision just isn't working. And that's not really a surprise if you think about the host of exams that there are to prepare for. The problem that we face with this, of course, is that exams are a big deal and there is a lot of content involved. And so that in itself can seem really overwhelming, which is why a lot of teens will put it off. They take the approach that it's better not to think about it than to get bogged down in sort of all that seriousness. But of course, that head in the sand approach is exactly what's going to cause problems of anxiety and lack of confidence further down the line. So being deliberate about what you're going to do and when can actually be quite liberating. Now, that might be quite a hard sell for your teens. They might not believe you straight away, but actually getting going really does free you from that crushing weight of not knowing, but always assuming the worst. And so now to the good bit, to the practical bit, roll your sleeves up and, and get on with it. Because if you've got to a place where you can agree that you should at least try a fresh approach to planning, then there are the three fundamentals that every great revision plan will have. And that's firstly, knowing exactly what it is that you've got to do. Secondly, knowing precisely when you're going to fit it in. And then finally, 
having that ability to check back and see how things are going. Knowing what exactly has to be done is a major stumbling block for many students. There's either a, a refusal to accept that there's an awful lot of work, or as mentioned before, sort of a, a vague notion that it can all be put off and it can all be done some other time. Something we hear quite a lot is along the lines of, I know I've got a load of geography to do, but it can wait, I'm sure. There are any number of really good sources of information where your team can break down their subjects into quite fine detail. Schools will have it. Um, a lot of teachers provide Excel spreadsheets that, that have that breakdown as well. And we do a, a study summary. Now, rather than this feeling like it's becoming a bit salesy, there'll be a code so you can get one of these off of our website at no charge um, for a, a limited period of time. All you have to do is select the study summary and then use the discount code podcast and that will create a null basket when you come to your checkout. What these summaries do, and similarly the list that you can get from school, is it takes each subject, like geography, and it will break it down into really small bits of work. So this is the kind of work that you might be able to do in one sitting, in sort of 45 minutes or an hour's worth of work. And it forms this master to-do list. So students have a complete understanding of everything that they need to do. To start with, it can seem a bit daunting because there'll be quite a few of them. If a student's doing maybe eight, nine or 10 GCSE subjects, this list could run to sort of 220, 240 units of work. But it's more important to know what it is exactly that you've got to do than not. So I mentioned before, Head in the sand is not a winning strategy. So wherever it is that you've got your source of information from, breaking them down into this to-do list approach is absolutely the first step. You can't possibly know what it is that you've got to plan or how long it's going to take you if you don't know what it is you need to do. And for many of us parents, this can be our first source of frustration. What is it you've got to do? What revision have you got to do this evening? Once you know what it is you've got to do, the easier thing, you'd think, becomes about planning exactly when it is that you want to put the study time in. And to do that, you need a broad awareness of how you're structuring your, your time generally. And when we do this, we look at it one week at a time, because I don't know about most teens, but certainly I struggle if I'm thinking about my plans for a month or, or so. So a week seems like a much more manageable period of time. Time can be a bit strange as a concept for teens, that they think there's loads of it until it's all gone, and then they lament the fact that there isn't any of it to do anything in. We can find this in some of the things that we'll hear them say, I always mean to do it a bit later, but when I come back from school, I just want to lie down and go on my phone, and then it's dinner, and then it's too late, so it never actually happens. That's really not uncommon. Obviously, at the other end of the scale, there are students who are overzealous and prone to high levels of anxiety who have the opposite problem of, of coming back and working and working consistently. The way to overcome both of these problems is actually exactly the same and that's that's planning, that's having a visual concept of your time, of what's free, of what's committed and when you'll be studying it. By doing this you can really help to shape your control over the revision activity that you need to do. So when we do this, looking at a, a weekly plan, week ahead, we look at three stages of blocking out time. And the first one is the commitments. What are the things that your team is obligated to do? Typically, 
the first thing is school. So we would have a view of the week that included 10, 11, 12 hour slots, if you like. So you can be really, really very specific about it. And then we'd encourage them to block out the school day and then any other commitments. So if they've got a weekend job, that would get blocked out as time that they can't do anything else in. There might be music lessons or sports clubs, all of these kinds of things that they're they're obligated to do. Mark all of them out. The second stage then is to think about some of those personal and social activities that they want to do. And for me, it's really important to do it this way around because it helps to frame that balance in teenagers' minds. That This isn't all about work. Actually, it's also about living and being able to relax and do the things that they want to. Study isn't taking over their life. Looking at personal social activities as the second most important thing is a really great way of framing that conversation. So this would include the all-important, if not legally obliged, lie-in on a Saturday and a Sunday. It could be a party on a Friday night. It could be going to see friends on a Saturday afternoon. Whatever it is that's important to your team that coming week, block it out so that you don't make sure that the studying doesn't start to encroach on that. But once you've done the things that you're obligated to do, and you've also blocked out time for the things that you want to do, the remaining gaps in your week to view would now seem like fair game to study. It's not taking over their life because we did everything else first. So now let's start to encourage our teams to put some activities in. This could be very specific maths, fractions, and algebra, long division, all of these kinds of things that they need to work on can get put into these blocks of work. And the big benefit here of being specific from the activity that we we know we've got to do is that it can really help overcome that procrastination of coming back from school and thinking, right, what should I do now? Because if you're left with a, a meandering choice of things that you could do, the likelihood is you're going to get bogged down and never do any of it. So this way, we help to really focus the attention on the one thing that needs to be done and what you will find as if by magic, and I promise you, nearly promise you, is that your team will come in, they'll look at their chart or their organiser or whatever it is that you're using, and they will simply get on with it because they don't need to resist anything. It's, it's already been done for them. The important thing when they're looking at the revision is that actually this it doesn't have to be an arduous task. This isn't like being back in the classroom and having to learn something for the same time. Revision is about revisiting the content that's already been taught to them. So I, I hesitate to say that it could be fun, but it should be a little bit more fun than perhaps they're expecting it to be. If you can, then get involved and flashcards, online quizzes, testing them, asking them why. All of this activity helps to recall the information that was taught during the lessons. And that's exactly what is going to really help them when it comes to the exams and and trying to remember what it is that they've been taught. This can be deliberate time. It can be four till five on on a Monday afternoon, or it could also be while you're cooking dinner just reading through the flashcards. All of this is a great way of of helping to fit in that activity. And often what we'll find is that teens quite like being beside someone else while they're working. Not always practical, I accept, but wherever it is, it's a, a really great way of getting involved. When you're thinking about your planning, 
there are a couple of other things that, that you can factor into um, to really make them bulletproof. And that's thinking about spacing and interleaving. So not necessarily spending an entire week looking at biology, but mixing up biology, chemistry, history, drama, all of these kinds of things. Because you're not learning in the same way that you were at school, you don't need to scaffold or build on necessarily in the same way. So pick up an an odd topic that you did maybe in the middle of year 10 and mix it up with then something that you did only last week in year 11. It's a really great way of helping your mind to stretch and to flex that, that recall. And the other thing with planning is this is a time when a lot of schools are also focusing their revision sessions during the um, during the timetable. So factor that in as well. Think about what's happening with maths cafes or with geography extra sessions and which ones your team might be going to. As you get nearer the, the time of the exams, typically a lot of schools will have study leave or they'll devote entire lessons to revision. It's all worth bringing that in so that your team gets a sense that everyone is pulling together and this isn't all about them having to sit in a darkened corner and sort of plough their way through everything laboriously. As a guide, and this really is back of fag, back at calculations, if a team were to do a couple of hours, a couple of units of work um, of an evening, three at the weekend and maybe the same over the holidays, between now and about the midpoint of exams, you'd probably cover about 240 units of work. Now, you remember that was what we said a team doing uh, sort of eight, nine, ten GCSEs might expect with our, our study summaries. There's obviously flaws to that. There's lots more work that's being done at school. Some of the units won't have to be done. Some of the units might take twice as long. But the point is that actually this isn't a Herculean impossible task. This is actually entirely achievable. and by helping your team to find their way to, to kickstart this now, they're well on the way to doing as well as they can in their exams. So the final thing of our three then, we know exactly what it is that we need to do. We've planned in one week at a time exactly what's going to be happening in, in the next few days. So the final thing is to check back and review how things are going. And this is actually vitally important because in the past, you will have tried something with your team to encourage them to do some work. And what we hear time and time and time again is things like, I tried making a timetable, but it didn't work, so now I don't bother. What's really important is that you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, as they say, that if something's not working, try to understand why and adapt and change it so that next week, because there will be a next week of revision, you can amend it and, and sort of incorporate that and try to overcome those problems. The beauty of this whole planning process is its flexibility. If it doesn't work one week, change it. It's, it's not about thinking that this you have to get this right for the very first time. Some of that's going to be very specific. So I couldn't do anything on a Wednesday because I'm exhausted after games, in which case we learn not to do anything on a Wednesday. Could also work the other way. I'd put in an hour every evening. But actually, to be fair, I probably could have done two. So give it a go and see how it feels. The important thing here is that these are conversations that are being had between you and your team in reviewing how stuff's gone. 
this isn't about a judgment call. It's not about whether or not they've tried hard enough or whether they're succeeding. It's literally statement of fact. You said you were going to be doing Macbeth characters on Thursday. Did you manage it? Because if you did, fantastic. You're really burning your way through. If you didn't, then there we go. It goes back into the to-do bar. You know exactly what needs to be done. More and more, what you'll find is that your team will, will get a sense of control, that they're going to feel that this is something that they own. And they'll also surprise themselves, I suggest, with the, the warm, fuzzy feelings that they'll get from success of that, that euphoria you have when you tick something off of a to-do list. They may shy away from it initially, but as the process builds, they're going to enjoy it. They're going to want to do more and they're going to want to feel more of that success. And that's one of the key things about looking at this on a week by week basis is that their chances of feeling that success actually now end on a Sunday and they start again on a Monday rather than whether or not they're going to pass their accountancy exams or become a lion tamer or whatever else it is that they might expect to do in future. But the key is you within this process. This isn't about you parenting. This is about you coaching, about getting the most out of your team. And as we've heard from innumerable guests, you know your team better than anyone. So actually understanding what's going to work in a motivational sense and, and what's going to crush them and demotivate them is absolutely in your gift. Often, and I hold my hands up to this, when we're in the heat of the moment, our feelings can get the better of us and we don't necessarily have the mastery of those skills that we might want in a more rational moment. But this is that rational moment. This is where you can help your team and really look at what's working best for them and encouraging them to take on more responsibility. We have heard from a lot of parents that tackling their children's approach to revision in this way is absolutely like a godsend. I mean, even the most resistant teens can get on board with this. Now, I'm not so naive to think that they see the light instantly, they change their wicked procrastinating ways. But it's actually because they do feel like they're getting much more control over this conversation. I think one of the burdens of modern parenting is that we tend to overparent and not really give our child a chance to sort of flourish in this way. Throughout this process, though, you're less likely to nag and what revision should you be doing? Because there's a record somewhere. I mean, it's written down. In fact, I often use this, this is how to get your parents off your back approach as a Trojan horse when talking to students. And they seem to like that quite a lot. But no matter what the driver, the important thing is that they're making a start. Because then, little by little, if not overnight, the routine can start to take hold, or perhaps the feelings of accomplishment start to kick in. And let's not forget that your newfound zen-like calm is also going to weigh in as a benefit for your teen as well. The ultimate goal is for your team to take responsibility. And they're much more likely to do that when they can start to appreciate the successes that this whole process is bringing in. When they get to a position that they're equating this planning with being more confident or simply seeing a growing list of content that they've already revised, then that's when this process can start to become self-sustaining. Then, and then they really are well on their way to fulfilling their potential.
I really hope that you found this episode useful and, and practically useful too. If you'd like to be on a future episode and share how things are going, perhaps just talk about something that's playing on your mind, then please do drop me an email. The address is hello at thestudybuddy.com. And if you're looking for ways in which you can support your own young person to fulfill their potential through revision, then why not head over to the Study Buddy website? There, you'll find a whole host of information on our innovative time management and study organising approach. And you'll also find a blog that's packed full of useful articles, hints and tips. To find out more, why not make a beeline for thestudybuddy.com. I really hope that you did enjoy this episode. And if you did, I wonder if you'd mind leaving us a review. And if it's not too much to ask, a five-star rating. It all really does help us to reach other parents who, just like the rest of us, are looking to make some sense of it all in the run-up to exams. Of course, please don't forget to share the link to this and other episodes on your social media weapon of choice. It's all greatly appreciated. There'll be another episode next week with another fantastic guest. So please don't forget to follow and subscribe the Study Sessions podcast.